I'm Ryan, the other guy's Jordan, and this is Two Angles on Angling. Hello, 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 and welcome back to another episode of Two Angles on Angling. This is Jordan with my co-host. That's Ryan, guys. What's up? I- interesting week. Uh, How I, many days did you get out, buddy? Two. It's good. I, I got five. You yeah. Know. You know, b- better than nothing. I'll take it. Uh, I felt very strange out on the water. I was out of touch, and I knew it for sure. I felt it. Uh would you say that it was slow on the river? Yes, a, a billion percent. Yeah, I, I uh, and I noticed a lot as well. So yeah. Well, well, what did you what did you notice? Tell me, tell me some things that you. Every noticed. single spot I went to, two more boats showed up. Yeah. <laughs> or or there was a boat that you know like was you know a couple hundred yards ahead, and you know so you were you were within sight of uh, other fishermen right. without a doubt all the time, uh, and that was. Pretty much on every spot I went to, which was, you know, a, a little, as we've talked about, you know, a, li- a little concerning at times when you're in areas where you've never seen people usually. Uh, a lot of pleasure boaters getting out now, yep. which sucks, but, you know, it is, you know, is what it is. I noticed that too. You're, you're, there's, there's two things that, two other things at minimum that you should have noticed. Yep. But uh, right. I'm, I'm waiting for the, you to see the say. algae bloom. There you go, buddy. There's one. Yeah, it pissed me off all day. It's uh, fucking up crank baiting big yep, time. Yep, and swim baits is just yeah. Like there's it's on the one stretch today. So we got into a good swim bait bite, and then I was like, okay, let's try another spot that was really good a few weeks ago, and we went there. And I was I was talking to my dad. I'm like, you know, when I was fishing this before, if I had three casts in a row full of weeds, I was out. Right. And I kept I was like, how many casts are you on? He was like, I got two. And then I had one clean. And I'm like, OK, well, we'll fish it. I caught one fish. He went three, three or five casts back to back with slime. And I went three back to back. I'm like, OK, we're out. Like, th- there's no way to fish through this. Um, uh, what else was I going to say? That I know uh, the fish were super spread out. Mm-hmm. I, I felt like there was not a high constant. I caught fish from six foot to 26 foot. Like it was, it was all over. And I, yet again, I, was it all I, river stuff that you did? Or did you do any lake stuff? No, too? just river stuff. Okay. Um, and I will say like, I, I didn't mess around in a lot of other zones in the prior weeks, uh, because they were so concentrated and that, you know, uh, mm-hmm. but, uh, that, that was something else I noticed. There's a fourth thing that I yeah. noticed. So the ca- the caddis, or as locals call them, sandflies. Oh yes, I, I did notice those. Today. I was staring at them as, as they were yeah. in my arms. Like yeah, so that was... that when I so I was out. Uh, I think it was. Yeah, it was Friday. When I was out Friday, I uh, I saw my first caddis, and they may have been out earlier, but I didn't. I didn't see them because I was mm-hmm. on, I was fished the lake um, for the front half of the week. But I saw that first caddis on the river and my heart sank because every year 
it's almost like the these this sequence of events happens. Like if you start seeing caddis or what locals call sand flies, I don't. I mean, they do hatch from the sand, but they really they hatch. They're off of rocks too. Like if you ever like if you've ever fished in the river an extended period of time and you've uh, you've pulled up your your bait and looked at the hook and there was like this weird shuck yeah, on it. That's, yeah. that's a caddis pupa. Yeah. Right. And they're, they attach to rocks. They attach to, to sand and they're probably different species too. Like the mm -hmm. ones in the sand are, are, are different colors. I think they're like a whiter color. Um, but anyway, when those things start hatching, your bass are, are on beds. Like they're just, they're, they're there or really close. And same thing, you like you'll start seeing another telltale sign if you don't live close to water is you'll see cottonwood seeds. Um, and as soon as you see that, you know the the uh, the river is in spawn mode. Yeah. And I yeah, I noticed the same thing that you did this week. Like I just watched it. Like um, I had I can't remember. I fished the river. I fished the river. Wow. So the seventeenth was. When Wednesday, gotcha. I fished it Wednesday, Friday, and today. I did Thursday and today, so which is Sunday. So, yes. yep. Um, Wednesday, it was dynamite. It was excellent. Everywhere that we went was excellent. Friday, that's when I saw the first caddis. It was good, but not great. And I also got lots of rats, like yeah. lots of tiny ones. Um, and then today, like we got fish, but it was a freaking struggle, man. Mm -hmm. um, and to your point, lots of weedage yeah. um, or, or algae. Uh, there's a lot of just floating debris and, and yeah. junking. And yeah, there's a lot of cottonwood just, seeds, a lot yeah. of people from mowing lawns and yep, shit, yep. tons of pollen. Yeah. Um, so, so maybe you can enlighten me. I'm not sure. I don't know if it's from like the, the water treatment plant or whatever, but like you, those big chunks of like dark, I, I don't, it's kind of, I don't even know how to, how to explain it. It looks like, it looks like crap floating down. Yeah. The river, like, no, that's, that's usually coming from marinas, is okay. where, but, or still water. It's, gotcha. it's, that's another algae form, gotcha, but, gotcha, and it gotcha. just, so that stuff. Um, I think we talked about this last year, but it's good to dust it off. Yeah, like yeah. that, that stuff is, uh, it's algae. And, uh, what happens is it grows in the winter time. And I thought for sure this year was going to be mild and, and it, so far it's mild. Mm -hmm. And the reason why I thought it was going to be mild this year is because in, in most years when Lake Erie freezes, the water gets super cold or super, uh, clear mm -hmm. from late February through ice out you know mid-april and that's when that algae like really gains gains a foothold um because the water's super clear it can penetrate deep that algae grows a lot of it it grows like crazy and then it dies i think i don't know if it's a water temperature thing but it dies like i, I think it's a water temperature thing um but it dies this time of year Right when it starts getting into the mid to upper 50s, which it's still early because the water temperature is 50 degrees. So I don't know, um, coming out of Lake Erie, it is. So I don't know 
entirely what causes it, yeah. but I just know that it happens around this time of year. It might be a daylight thing. That would make know. sense as well. Because I thought the I thought the caddis hatch was water temperature uh, affiliated, to, like conditions based as far as the water temperature goes, but it's not. Like they're the water's still kind of cold, and mm-hmm. they're hatching. And anyway, uh, the the size and quantity of fish I have just watched plummet throughout the course of this week. In all of those events, we start getting crazy amounts of pollen, cottonwood seeds, caddis hatching. Yeah. All, when all that comes together, the river starts to die mm-hmm. as far as the bite goes. You can still catch fish. You're just going to catch a lot of small ones. Um, and you'll catch an occasional late female that's yeah. that's still big with eggs, but for the most part, a lot of small ones. And then, the other, yeah, I, I noticed the same stuff as you, man. Like, tons of anglers out there, tons yeah. of pleasure boaters, fucking jet skiers, yeah. like, waking out, like, zo- zooming straight past the boat, <laughs> uh, like, within casting range. My client today had a great suggestion. He's like, dude, you should carry a paintball gun on the boat with you and just shoot those dudes. <laughs> I thought it was a great idea. I might, uh, I may employ that. I don't know how, I don't know if there's like a legal issue there with that, but, um, but anyway, it was, it was grindy. Um, and again, man, I noticed dude, like dudes were just soaking the hell out of zones. And it's like one, one guy was straight up, like in a, in a pleasure boat was anchored in the middle of an of a, a very small drift was just anchored there like like a, a straight up anchor in the water was anchored there um and just cast him through like there was nothing wrong I, I watched another guy work up and down a very small zone like picking off rat after rat after rat after rat like for a solid half an hour you know as i was fishing other areas so I, you know, I don't know. It's uh, it was disappointing, but you know, in short, I think the uh, the rivers. I the problem is, is the water clarity isn't that great right now. Yeah, I, I don't. I noticed that even from Thursday, obviously. Yeah, got all I mean, because we got that yesterday. wind and everything. Yeah. Uh, we got all you know a decent amount of rain yesterday. Because so I didn't fish Monday. Remember that was my wedding anniversary, oh, yeah. and, yep. and then I didn't fish yesterday which i should have fished yesterday but the forecast was calling for a, a small craft advisory mm. by 8 a.m and then that didn't happen the rain didn't happen till late the wind didn't happen till late and i could have done my trip um but i you know i didn't end up going i, I would have i would have fished erie but uh yeah so when i went out today it was I just, when I drifted through the first area, and the other thing I noticed too is the color of the fish have gotten darker. Much darker. Yeah. Yeah, much darker, a lot more stripes, yeah, yeah. more vibrant. The, 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 one, the one thing I will, I will say as well is prior to this week, like I was unstoppable with the drop shot. It was like without a doubt the bait that I was going to be throwing, that or a crankbait. This week net or a swim bait like i fished three so me and two other people on thursday so my dad my boss and i on thursday three lines in the water they both got bit multiple times on the net and i couldn't catch anything on the drop shot and i'm like all right what's happening here 
But I will say with how, like, the water clarity, like, I know it's not a lot, but, I mean, if you're fishing a foot off bottom and there's only, you know, so, so much visibility of the Neds right in their face versus being up. I don't, I don't know. know. Do we caught fish know. on crankbaits and drop shots yeah. today? So I think that shit's random. Yeah. There's still tons of smelt in the river. Like, I, I was watching turns in cormorants destroy a few schools of smelt, and then some of the bass that we caught today threw up smelt. I, know, I, I did notice one threw up. Yeah, today. I, so I think you're. Uh, I think just something random occurred okay. right. for you. Um, Fair enough. But the, the 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 silver lining there is. I mean, if if there is something positive about this, uh, is that the lake. Well, it's not really positive about the river. Like, I'm not. I'm done with the river until late June. Until okay. post spawn. Yeah. So here's a quick warning, or uh, not warning, but uh, plea to other anglers out there, like. I'm not saying stop fishing the river. What I am saying, though, is when we get good water clarity again, uh, don't even think about fishing beds. Just leave, let those fish be. Yeah. Just think about this, like everything that we've talked about so far for this, this pre-spawn season. Like, There's a ton of anglers out, and a massive amount of pressure have, has been put on those fish. And if people start fi like fishing beds you're going to impact reproduction you're just going to there's going to be more mortality there yeah. you're opening beds up for gobies yeah just and man leave them alone yeah and there, there's plenty of studies showing like how how detrimental it is for you to pull especially a small mouth off a of bed yeah like and i don't i don't remember the percentage so i won't throw it out there but uh, uh there's a percentage that will not spawn after that right you know like so that because you know, it, it's similar, and I guess you could uh, uh, fill me in on this. I've also heard, like, with birds, for example, if somehow your human scent gets on their nest, that they will not return. Some I don't birds, know. Yeah. yeah, so, like, you know, it's a similar, semi-similar phenomena with uh, fish then as well. Like, just leave them be. Don't mess with it. Let them do their thing, and then, you know, we, we can get back to... Uh, get back to enjoying enjoying catching them after the fact yeah like what it's a small price to pay for a short time exactly you know, dude what, whatever your reasons are for fishing for smallmouth right if it's uh just just the bite the hit the challenge of covering water whatever, figuring out the pattern all of those things whatever those are none of those apply to fishing a bed none of them there's no challenge to yeah. fishing a bed. There's a fish sitting there like a target, and you're just throwing a bunch of hardware at it, trying to figure out which thing it's going to eat. And, and eventually it's going to attack it to protect its fry yeah. or, or to protect its eggs or the eggs that are there or to protect the zone in general. You're Just leave them alone, man. Just leave them alone. Um, there's just no reason, no reason at all to do it. Now, if you're like blind casting through an area, fishing swim baits or stick baits or whatever, and you happen to catch fish, okay, but don't sit there and anchor on beds. It just doesn't yeah, make specifically it, targeting them. It just doesn't make any sense. No. You know, just let them be. Um, and if I tell you right now where I was going with this originally is the lake is going to be productive no matter what, not the harbor, the lake. If you go out in the lake and start figuring stuff out, there's fish in all different phases out in the lake right now. There's probably fish in shallow water on beds, but 
there are more fish out in deeper water or even near structure that if you put in work there, you're going to catch them. You're going to catch big ones. The lake tends to spawn a little bit later than the river. Um, you know, so if you're, and we got to, and this upcoming week is a lot of pretty calm weather. So you could leave the, the river alone and try to figure something out yeah. in the lake. But I don't know, man, I, I don't, not that many people are, are going to heed that, uh, that plea, but it's a shame, you know, just pass the word, let, let the river be for a little bit. If you're going to cover water, just cover water. But I'm telling you in the process of covering water, if you're throwing swim baits, stick baits, crank baits, you're going to get weeded out. You know, if you're whatever you're fishing, you're going to get yeah. weeded out. So spend some time focusing on uh, on the lake. And that's my plan for the this, this upcoming week. We got a series of pretty damn good days. So, you know, I'm going to spend. Yeah, the I've been wanting to get out on time. the lake as well. So, I mean, yeah, this upcoming week's a good time for that. I might pop into the lower briefly and. Yeah, I haven't, I haven't messed around in Devil's either. Hole for a bit, and I fished when I fished it on uh, Wednesday. One of my clients hooked a uh, a steelhead on a drop shot up in Devil's Hole. Nice. It freaking ripped drag and went right underneath the boat and and cut him off on the prop. But uh, he could have done a little bit better job controlling that fish. But it was it was still cool. Yeah, like cool. I knew right away when that thing bit that. It just it just took off, and I'm yeah. like, that's definitely not a bass. Yeah. So uh, for today, I thought for sure I had a toothy critter or something because uh, I was fishing the the swim bait, and as soon as I got bit, drag started peeling, and I'm like, oh my gosh, that was like one of the hardest hits I've had in a while. Uh, it was it was a decent sized smallmouth, but yeah, it was. Uh, no, we we dropped something, either a, a giant muskie or a pike today. Oh, um, okay. We, uh, I was watching this dude's rod tip and we were dragging drop shots. I was watching his rod tip and then all of a sudden I saw it go and then just slowly start bending over. Like he had gotten, uh, hooked a log, you know, or like a big sock or something. And that's like the number one telltale. Like if you're. If you're like specifically fishing for well, muskies are muskies are closed, but pike are are open mm-hmm. now. But if you're fishing for those big things, like you know when they hit, like because you're using big stick baits or mm-hmm. crank baits or spoons or whatever. Yeah. But when they eat like baits that you're using for bass, like a tube or a yeah, net or a drop shot, stuff, yeah, it's almost like you hooked a log, and the fish is like confused at first. Yeah, because yeah, they, they just they just hold on and almost swim with it and you just start carrying weight. And so I, I watched that happen and he, he like figured it out a couple seconds after I saw it and he sat and it was just sitting there like not running real hard, but just bobbing. And I'm like, dude, you got something big, dude. And, uh, and I'm like, I bet you it's either a muskie or a pike. And finally the thing caught, you know, got, got active yeah. and it's it would like shoot and scream line for a minute and then he would gain some line on it shoot scream line i never got color on the fish we got him kind of close to the boat shot underneath the boat and just cut the line and uh so it was either a big muskie or a big yeah. pike I, I'm, I'm not sure what but it was it was it had that rod just freaking bent all the way to the uh 
to the handle. And it was, th that was pretty cool. He was, he was devastated. I was just kind of laughing. I'm like, we'll never know buddy, but yeah. I can tell you it was one of those two things, you know, uh, like yeah, yeah. you can, don't let it haunt you. I've, I've dropped <laughs> so many before like it's, you know, it's good things will come if you keep fishing. Yeah, uh, for sure. Yeah. I'm, uh, I'm looking forward to, you know, all, all the fishing to come uh here as well i've yet to catch a walleye this year so i'm I'm stoked for that to happen get some meat as well which would be uh be delicious but yeah i busted out the walleye gear uh yesterday so the boat's fully loaded with walleye gear and uh um it's 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 a sad like it's a it's a it's a sad time for me like i, I the river is truly something special and um you know, it's, but it's done for a while. You know, like I said, I'll probably pop in and do a couple late June sessions, um, on the upper and, and a handful of zones, but that, I don't know. We'll see how bad the moss, the, the, the algae gets this mm -hmm. year. Cause I, I just, our water was stained for so long after the blizzard that, um, it just never really got super clear. So I don't know how much of that stuff grow, uh, grew, so we'll see. I'm, yeah. I'm optimistic that you know by late June it's it, we we might be in, in in good shape, but we'll yeah. see. Hopefully, but yeah, with the number of pleasure boaters and jet skiers out already, like you know you got to fish at the crack of dawn mm -hmm. for the first couple hours of daylight because by ten o'clock in the morning there yeah. it's our, i don't care what day of the week it is it's 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 rush hour and it's it's kind of a nightmare so but it won't be too long before the walleye bite just starts getting ridiculously good i mean dudes who are fishing at night are doing well but i'm i'm not i'm not gonna do that yeah and then on the lake ontario side um still lots of bait out there still lots of kings out there like there there's there's plenty of them around i i had a horrible day i mean good time with clients but i really struggled on tuesday um and uh i just think i'm not i think i'm i'm done with kings until the fall now i may poke around out in ontario here and there but um throughout the summertime but i'm i'm pretty much done i'm committed to erie for uh for the long term, you know, at least for the next few months. So, but, uh, plan, yeah. it's been go? fun. It's been fun. So yeah, uh, I've had my epic days on the river. I'm, I'm yeah. good for a good for a bit. I have yet to have a super epic day on Erie though. So now it's time for that. And, uh, get some walleye in as well. I I'm craving some. I'm yeah. But one of the, there's a few things I want to try for walleyes this year. I mean, my standard bottom bouncing program that everybody else does is, is, is uh, very very effective but i have a handful of clients where when when those fish start getting super concentrated i want to start trying to jig for them um or rip blade baits for them or uh or even just uh so i was thinking of jigging uh jigging it'll work you're just going to catch less fish same thing with with ripping blade baits like a, a good three quarter ounce blade bait if as long as it's still you know and you're fishing 50 you know 45 to 50 feet of water you can get them doing that you know but i want to experiment with some rod and hand kind of stuff instead mm -hmm. of just trolling 
for them, but that that won't be until those the schools start getting tight, you know, when there's a bunch of fish around and you can just get on top of a school and, and then drop lines on top of them and see what happens. Um, but it won't won't be long, won't be long for that to start going. Yeah, so. it's all, all, always something to look forward to. Yep, yep. So, uh, what'd you want to get deep about today, man? Yeah. You, you had an idea. Yeah, so the, it actually uh, ties in very well with uh, what we were talking about uh, in our recap of the week as well. So, as anyone who's who's listened to this for a while knows, like we listen to the Stephen Ronella, the Meat Eater podcast, and I, I watch a lot of the videos of theirs on YouTube. So, I was just watching one yesterday, uh, an episode uh, on the uh, Menominee River in Wisconsin, and they were fishing for smallmouth, which obviously, you know, I was I was intrigued by that and uh, seeing a different fishery and, you know, way different than any, anything I've ever targeted smallmouth in. So that, that was pretty cool. Well, the, the guide that they were with uh, was, you know, explaining how that fishery had been like a hidden gem for so long and people didn't really know about it. And they, it wasn't, uh, uh, wasn't overly pressured or anything by any means. And it was pretty off the radar. Well, obviously as a guide that is to your advantage, cause you have open water and less pressure and, you know, uh, more fish that have been untouched. And they started talking about how there's a mining project that's going to be or potentially happening and all the consequent issues that will come from that to the fishery and then the fish and all the guides and their businesses and the the whole uh, trickle effect that that has. And uh, Stephen Rella often talks about with hunting and, you know, fishing, just kind of this general question, would you stop fishing for your favorite or in your on your favorite waters or for your favorite species to ensure that it will be there for future generations. Th- that's a, you know, a very broad thing because not all the situations are we going to, you know, am I going to at 23 years old, not going to be able to fish for a small mouth or hunt a white tailed deer for the rest of my life. But even say five, 10, 15 year chunk would, as it, angler and an uh, outdoorsman would you be willing to do that and that really resonated with me because my instant thought was like yeah of course why why wouldn't i if if i can and i've i've been thinking about this a little bit even prior to like watching those shows and everything it's like well if you could take the time away or have a vast population of people or everyone somehow if it could get you know uh put into law that you know, for this amount of time, that species or that zone is complete or that body of water is off off limits. And then when you came back to it, however many years later, it would be as good as it was or potentially better, probably better because it hasn't had any pressure whatsoever. So I don't know, I guess what, what's 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 your kind of kind of take on that? Because locally, like, you know, we've obviously been talking about the river a lot and it's you know, would would you gladly take on a a regulation of as soon as the smallmouth start spawning on the river that no one can target them, or or something like that? You know. Yeah. So I uh, I don't know, man. I go when it comes to regulate. I'll I'll, I'll address the, the your regulation question 
separately, but let's okay. just talk about the Menominee for a minute. Yeah. Because before the podcast, we discussed this, and I've been up there, and I've fished it with the same guide that Ranella fit. Well, yeah. one of his, uh, his, his uh, one of the guides out of that same outfit, uh, Tight Lines Fly Fishing Company out of uh, Wisconsin. Um, Menominee River is gorgeous. It's beautiful. And that situation where there's a mining operation that's about to go down, it would be beneficial because I, I mean I I've, I'm aware of the situation. Yeah, I guess I didn't. I kind of missed out on part of that part of that uh, as well that I wanted to add in. Uh, kind of the the struggle of he wants to keep his fishery a secret, but he is also trying to get awareness to the fishery to stop the mining. Right. So I left that part out, but that that's pretty crucial to it as but, well. But but the, uh, the the nice thing about that though is uh, like. What is it? Uh, I don't know why I'm spacing on it. The um, Bristol Bay up in Alaska is dealing okay. with this, like the gold public, mining up yeah. there is something similar thing. Um, and he, and he, here's where like that Bristol Bay in Alaska situation is kind of similar to the Menominee in that the Menominee is so far removed that even if people become aware of it, it ain't easy to get to. Like it's a long drive. I mean, it's it's like near the Upper Peninsula of Michigan. Like it's a long drive to get there. It's it's very remote. Um, I mean, it took me a long time to drive there. Uh, so, you know, his cause is you know generating uh, public awareness to that to try to protect that fishery and thereby. But at the same time, you're uh, creating attention. Mm-hmm. So that, so that people end up going there. There's yeah. big smallmouth in there. I, I, you know, I caught a, a tw- I fished it for three days, and I caught a fish that was in the, the that was a little over twenty, and lots of smaller fish too. Um, all fly fishing too, but uh, <clears throat> it it would help them, you know, because I don't think it's gonna like sure the some new people would go there, but when a place is that far removed. Yeah, it's going to hinder people. DIY stuff is not, it's just, it's tough for that to be feasible. There'll be a handful of people that DIY it. But for the most part, that would probably boost his business by generating more attention to that river. Now, the flip side of it, like we are on the other side of the spectrum. You know, we've talked about this ad nauseum throughout the the year this year, throughout this season, in that, We've done the, the, the logic. Let's just let's just go back in time for a little bit. Late '80s is when steelhead and kings started to become a thing, and people were guiding here. '88, '89 is when is like the birth of the guiding industry here in Western New York. You know, and back in the early days, you could catch tons of fish, and there wasn't uh, there wasn't any. I'm talking about uh, there wasn't as much pressure. The only pressure were the guides. You know, and there weren't a ton of guides back then. Like the, the guide industry was being born, you know. And then uh, over time, the DEC started messing with things. And, you know, now we're at the state that we are with the Kings, as I've explained in previous podcasts. We didn't get any steelhead this year. I explained what I've explained that in previous podcasts. All of that is a result of us getting a lot more pressure. We generated attention. By we, I mean the community of advocates, the people that uh, write columns in newspapers, people that go to shows. You know, uh, we generated a, a bunch of attention to the region uh, 
or people that like TV, not just sh like outdoor shows, but TV shows too, mm -hmm. like the TV sh not, and on YouTube videos. And this explosion that we're seeing this year is a result of that. And you know, as engaged as I've been trying to get in the Lake Ontario scene, I uh, I keep like I, I was talking to one of my clients on Friday about this because uh, he and I and his son tend to get deep every time we fish. That um, I just I come back to my my mantra of be the coyote, um, and I can't remember if I've ever talked about be the coyote in this, but the uh, my quick synopsis of be the coyote is. The, coy the coyote is the only North American native canid. Like, it evolved in North America. Wolves came here from Eurasia uh, and then, you know, established a presence here prior to the last Ice Age. But coyotes evolved from and became out of in America, in the, the Southwest. You know, Arizona, Sonoran Desert, Mojave Desert area. And then their population, when European colonists spread across this country, their, their population spread. They figured out how to adapt to the presence of humans and to take advantage of the presence of humans. They figured out how to adapt to eating rats and like all these other things that humans brought with them. Even though we've tried to murder and destroy their population, their population is bigger than it's ever been. Mm -hmm. and I'm not going to get like super deep yeah. into how and why, but my point there is that they're they're a highly adaptable creature, and they're they're very intelligent for a canid. You know, they're they're an intelligent creature. Period. Um, so you can you know we could regulate and try to do stuff. We could limit catches, like the Canadians make it. You can't even fish for bass. I mean, in the in the St. Lawrence, you can't fish for bass during pre-spawn. You can put that that uh, that regulation in effect. That I would be pissed because that's yeah. like my my favorite time of year. But all you can do is just educate, like what we've been doing through this podcast. Like you just got to keep beating the drum because eventually it may come to regulation. And it not I wouldn't vote for it, but enough people will start complaining about it and then it'll just get shut down if the behavior is shitty. And it, by, by shitty behavior, I mean people fish in beds, people soak in zones, you know, people ripping uh, crankbaits, like, or like people continuing to use treble hooks when there's this much pressure out there. Like, um, I mean, just think about like when you like just... It, with the, the treble hook thing, like you got lots of people around fishing treble hooks. Okay, I'm, I don't have a problem in general with treble hooks, but when you got a lot of pressure on a fishery, using treble hooks is just stupid. Even keeping yeah. barbs on your hooks is stupid. After a while, like you got, look at all these boats around, man. Like it, like uh, it, yeah, just pay attention to the fish you're catching and examine them and like you'll see like yeah without, with, like today i did catch some some nice ones that seemed very untouched but like thursday and last week it was like oh my god like there's holes in all these fish's mouths already. yeah like, i mean and it and, and it's not from the treble hook per se it's from multiple hooks getting caught in a fish's yeah, face the leverages and, and People are using pliers and like ripping them out or that fish gets in the net 
and it rolls and the treble one treble hook yeah. is caught in the net and the other took two are caught in its face and it rolls mm-hmm. and it tears its face up that's just one example yeah you know but i i think like it's you can maybe pass that type of regulation like uh it's already catch and release only but uh you know barbless hooks yeah. no treble hooks allowed that i mean they they did like in in the Lake Ontario tributaries, for example, it's single hook only, mm-hmm. you know, for all the, the, the baits when you fish those. Once you get, like, upstream of, of the first bridge in most places, um, single hook only. So, I mean, that, that, those types of regulations would help, but, like, can, that would be soul-crushing if we had the same regulation as Canada uh, for bass. And it would be soul-crushing for, if we had the same regulation as the St. Lawrence. Yeah, you so know. I we were just talking to our guide that we get uh Randy up on the St. Lawrence. We booked our trip and he was saying and, and you know, everyone look into it if you're interested, because I didn't look exactly into it, but they are doing a new regulation this year where it was catch and release, close season for the spawn, and then the season opener, which is also kind of what jogged my memory or uh my, my thoughts on this because Obviously, yeah, the spawn's going to vary year from year slightly, mm-hmm. but it's been, they've been documenting it long enough to know. And as you said, like May 17th, that's what you, uh, two weeks ago, I think you said May 17th, they're going to start being on beds on, in the river. It's May 21st. Yeah. And, and I haven't seen one on a bed, but they're getting close, obviously. And we talked about in the opening uh, with everything else going on. That Yeah, with the water clarity, I guarantee you there's beds all over yeah. the place right now. We just can't see it because the water clarity yeah. got trashed in the past yeah. couple of days. But it's, I mean, it's still three feet of visibility, but I guarantee you there's beds all over the place right now. We just can't see them yet. Um, I, on West River, I bet you there's from Beaver Island, Motorboat Island, all those super popular drifts, I bet you there's beds all over. Um, you probably, once the water gets clear by the Sheridan boat launch, you'll see beds there. There, I, I guarantee you they're there. I can just tell from the behavior of the fish that there's beds. Um, so, yeah, I, I think it would be reasonable to pass, to pass something that in, in the river... Not necessarily the lake, but uh, yeah, that's a, yeah, that's a different story. because the the lakes is is a vast place. But you know, it would be reasonable to pass regulation from like you know the May twentieth to uh, June twentieth. It's uh, yeah, that'd be it's closed for for bass. But the thing is, dude, is you can't like people like musky season's open, so people are just going to go in there and cast smaller baits and say that yeah. they're they're musky fishing when they're not. You know, like that that's my whole thing. Like, look. People, un, un, so to, to the larger question that mm-hmm. you had about what would I be willing to do, would I be will, what would I be willing to to sacrifice? Would I like? I've done everything that I can, and what 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 I've sacrificed this year is I've avoided going to convenient spots and soaking zones. I've avoided it entirely, um, and I've, and in turn, I've put my clients through. Uh, long stretches of fishless, you know, period, long fishless periods doing reconnaissance. Um, you know, I, I like used like in previous years prior to all this pressure. And I really wish I knew why there's so many more people fishing than Niagara this year. Cause it's just weird. Mm-hmm. Um, cause I've not been hyping it up in, in any way. I, I write my fishing report. I don't freaking hype up the Niagara. I don't, 
put blatant landmarks in my photos or anything like that. Like, um, so I don't, I don't, you know, I, I don't know what the cause of it is, but, uh, I guess because it's more navigable and it doesn't get big with waves and, um, uh, you can see other, I, I don't know. It's, it's disappointing, but whatever. I've done everything that I can, uh, to, to, and I've, what I've sacrificed is not pounding the crap, like getting crazy numbers of fish. Like I've had to, you know, ha have accept lower numbers of fish in a day to try to find new places and stay away from people. Um, but to your point, like some people are just straight up looking where there's other boats and going to where they are, which that's yeah. just such weird. I've never noticed that behavior until this year. I've never seen it before. Um, you know, and so this is what's going to happen. And this is what, ha this is what's happened on Lake Ontario. You know, it, it, it's going to take a ca a crash to, uh, allow things to rebuild, right? Humans are being humans by nature, unfortunately are greedy. Yeah. And unless you can fight your greed, um, which people can't, and, and look, I, I get it, man. Like some people you get, you don't get that many days off. So when you get that day to finally go out, you're going to go where you, where you got the highest uh, amount of probability and there it is. Well, multiply you times hundreds yeah. because that's the situation. So this is what people are going to say. Like the, the prime example is Lake Ontario. So Lake Ontario, bunch of people go out, crush the population of Kings. By midsummer, Kings get tough. Guys go offshore, start trolling steelhead. Now we get no runs of steelhead. We get like a handful of fish in all the tributaries. Now, guess what? Nobody's coming up here from Pennsylvania. Nobody's coming up here from Ohio uh, to fish the spring run of steelhead. Nobody's going to come up here in the fall to fish for steelhead anymore. So the numbers, uh, the, st the amount of attention that the area gets there, it's going to start getting a reputation of not having a lot of fish around. People are just going to go to a different place. They'll stay in Erie. They'll stay in Ohio. They'll, they're, they won't come up here anymore. That lack of attention will give the fish a chance to reproduce. It'll give, or, uh, it'll give those, those fish, not, not necessarily reproduce, but it'll give those fish chances to run. It'll put less pressure on the population. So the population will grow and, or it'll sustain whatever is being stocked because less shit, less fish will be taken out. Then we'll start getting bigger runs again. But that's like a five, six, seven, 10 year process. Mm -hmm. The same thing will happen with smallmouth. You know, people will beat the crap out of them in the river. And look, I don't, what, what, what the DEC doesn't know because it's not studied but lot, I don't how many fish run into the river. There's no, there's no yeah. estimate of, of how many fish run into the Niagara. We don't know what percentage of the population from, because let's, let's say that are they, how, what percentage of the fish that are in the river now are residents versus lake run? How many of them live in the lake versus yeah. how many of them are, are river residents and stay in the, res, in the river all year mm -hmm. round? We don't know that, right? Yeah. But some percentage come in from the lake. 
to spawn, just like they run up all the Lake Ontario tributaries, just like they run up all the Lake Erie tributaries. We don't know the answer to that. We should probably try to figure that out. I don't know how we would do it. But in the end, if those populations get battered, then it's going to affect reproduction. The population is going to decline. The reputation of the area will decline. And the, eventually, less people will come here. And then over time, that population will bounce back. And five to ten years from now, It'll be, a, you know, it'll recover. But just watch, man, in the next, you know, three to five, if, if this amount of pressure occurs, the population is going to, it's going to get hurt. Yeah. And that seems like just, you know, from the, from the tournament side of things and what I've even noticed and heard, you know, talking to guys who have been fishing tournaments, you know, 20, 30, 40 years, uh, a lot of the lakes, it's like they, they usually, it tends to, they tend to say it's a five year, a five year thing. So you'll have like a, a lake that's absolutely on fire and people are catching big fish and tons of fish. And then everyone and their brother hears about it. It gets pressured, pressured, pressured for years and years. And then they're catching cookie cutters nonstop and nothing over like two and a half, three, four pounds. Or like if someone brings in a five pound lunker, it's like, oh my God, like, we haven't seen those in a while. And then, you know, that, that five, six years goes by and it's like, oh, wow, people are bringing in a six pounder now and again, or people are, you know, the bags are going up. And that is, you know, from the tournament side of things, uh, you know, looking at that data and those numbers is like a, an amazing way to keep track of the fishery and like what's happening. So if you, you know, you got 20 guys bringing in, a five fish limit or weighing it in regardless of how, you know, whether it's on the connect scales or they're bringing them in. It's like, you have that data right there showing, okay, well, you know, 10 tournaments were fished, fished here. Uh, and this was the average of the bags in this stretch of time versus that. And you can, you can clearly see even, you know, just from my club fishing in the club and looking at the numbers, it's like, you can see the, the ebbs and flows throughout, throughout the yeah. bodies of water, you know? Yeah. And, and, it's uh so going back to the as a guide my uh my be the coyote thing mm -hmm. you got to manage expectations and move around and just constantly adapt to to what the what the situation is and uh and just you know pr practice what 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 I've been preaching you know like do least amount of damage to the resource as possible, educate as often as possible, but there's really nothing that you can do to control human nature. Mm -hmm. People are, and I'm not saying that we shouldn't talk about it. I'm not saying that we shouldn't preach as often as we can, but you know, nobody can, can stifle the burning ego of somebody who wants to get on, of people who want to get on social media and post pictures of, of all the big fish that they're catching, you know, um, who want to like, you, you, you just, you can't start that, that, that can't be put down. You can't stop that. People are going to do it. You know, um, they're going to do it. So it, you just, it's unfortunate, but all you can do is just preach and try to educate and try to be adaptable. And when, when you do this for a living, 
it starts to get to the point where you have to diversify your portfolio then and 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 change your approach, change your target species, whatever mm -hmm. it is, to allow something else to improve because you, you like I said, man, you just can't stop it. Yeah, and and I, I'm, you know, when I first got into into fishing heavily, like six years ago, I was extremely in the multi-species mindset and you know spreading out where I was fishing. And I've kind of gotten away from that, you know, as we've we've talked about on the podcast as well about like you know getting dialed in on a body of water and really understanding it and then expanding. And it's like for for the longevity of all of the bodies of water, all the species, and just, you know, for overall enjoyment, it's like you have to have that nomadic approach of like, this time of year, I'm going to target this. And then, you know, the next month, I'm going to move on, or I'm going to go focus on this body of water, that body of water. Because if you just focus on catching smallmouth on the upper Niagara River for 12 months out of the year, not that you can target them 12 months necessarily, but if you could, that resource is going to get completely wiped out and diminished versus if you take it upon yourself to like broaden your skill set and take on the challenge of targeting a new species or multiple multiple species throughout the year and multiple bodies of water not only is it keeping you sharp and you're always learning but it's also like super beneficial as well for the fisheries and you know the the fish yeah like so think about this as uh trying to create like a, a a good parallel to uh the menominee situation in that um as a as a guide especially as a new guide or captain or whatever um you want there to be a lot of attention to what you're doing and to what you're, you, you want to uh, post a lot, generate a bunch of hype behind your capabilities. And uh, what I'm saying is, is that having been in that place and looking back on it, now you know seven years in and look i'm not saying that i'm an og i'm just saying seven i got seven years worth of experience so i'm not like a virgin anymore um it didn't do anything for me you know frequently posting pictures and uh you know uh just trying to generate attention to yourself online didn't do anything for me business-wise you know, from a business perspective, what did something for me was making sure that I had a solid professional website and that I was transparent with my clients and that I got had great conversations with my clients. I taught them and educated them and educated them on the fishery, educated them about tactics, techniques, procedures, uh, educated them about why I do all the things I do. As far as not soaking zones, using inline circle hooks, et cetera, et cetera, mm -hmm. all of those things. Um, that and those people went and told their friends, and you know, so and then they wrote reviews, and that grew to the point where I don't even need to be on social media. I'm there 
just in case somebody's shopping. But uh, I post, you know, once a week, and that's all you really need to do. And you don't even really need to do that. Like, starting in, like, now I'll just do once a month. I don't even post pictures to social media. I post a link to my fishing report. I don't post pictures. So, really, what happens on social media is you see one photo of, uh, of, of me, and that's it, or of a client. You know, and to and and if you if if I say that to somebody else, they think, well, that's crazy. I wish I could do that. And it's like, dude, you're you're kidding yourself if you think that's what's if you think that it's sustainable, because the people that are following you on social media are not following you to book trips with you. They're following you to learn where you've been fishing. <laughs> you know, like they want to follow you around. Um, the people that are following you are people that have boats that are anglers and anglers aren't your clients. Your clients are people that you're teaching. Your clients are people that don't have the ability to do what you're doing. So they book you on their own. So they book you. People that are following you online. Sure. Some percentage of them are, are your clients. They're people that are following you because they fished with you before. Yeah, and they want to keep in touch. Right. Tune, yeah. That's a some percentage, but that's that's a very small percentage. Mm. I, I have, I have, uh, I don't even know what my numbers are, but in the thousands, you know, and it's not even, I'm not bragging. It's mm -hmm. like, like three or 4,000 on Facebook, three, three or 4,000 on, on Instagram. I don't even fucking post, man. <laughs> uh, and that that's what I have. How many, like, I don't have three or 4,000 clients. Yeah. You know, like I, I have hundreds. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, even on a on a deeper level than that, like just for social media, it's like you might have that many followers, but if you're even okay, clients or equate them to friends, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like you barely know like a vast majority of those exactly, people, anyways. Man. So it's like the people, and even I've noticed, like you know, as you know, I've been getting further away from social media, further and further. It's like my family and close friends are the ones who are super excited for me about catching a fish and what I'm doing. And guess what? I'm sending them those photos anyways, like regardless of right. we're talking about it. So it doesn't really matter. Like it's not, and yeah, I still post and everything. So like, of course, but you know, there's that, you know, as you're always saying, it's like, you know, the signaling aspect of it is the ego aspect of it. And that's the thing. It's a drug. It's, it's yeah. uh yeah, it's, it it's is, a dopamine yeah. hit that people are addicted to, and it just feeds right into human nature, right? Like that goes back to the greed, the greed and the ego. And uh, again, if this was if if we were out there killing fish to survive, the greed makes sense. Mm -hmm. But even Native Americans, or like when I go to Guyana, you're not killing more than you need. Yeah, you know, like we kill what we need for the day, and that's it. Maybe for yeah. two days, but we're not like stockpiling freaking stupid amounts of food. We know that the resource mm -hmm. is there and that it can support us. So, I mean, yeah. it, it's uh, but yeah, it's like the mindset, like in how you are preparing and looking at what you're about to embark on, and it's you know. Tying this into another podcast that I've, I've been listening to as well. I'm listening to a series uh, from History on Fire, and it's about Sitting Bull. Been super interesting, and, you know, the reason I'm bringing this up is, you know, tying it into the buffalo. And 
that like you know it was a, a common practice of them to move around with the herds right. and not take more than you need. Well, and then of course the white man came over and really ruined all all of that buffalo hunting for all the natives. But of course it's like what like there is when you are uh, in a symbiotic relationship with the ecosystem that you're in, you know that when you are taking too much, you can visually see and. In that extreme, you're literally going to starve and not eat. But obviously, for our situation, we're not, thankfully, we're not at that point where all of the fish we catch have to be our food. But it is our livelihood still, and in turn, kind of is our food. Because once, you know, if you're paying the bills with the money that you're getting from guiding, whether it's hunting, fishing, what have you, if that resource isn't there and you can't, get the trips and make the money, then you're not going to be able to provide for yourself in, that, right. in, a, in, a, in a similar way. So let, let me try to summarize this to, to a little bit too. So let's talk yeah. like walleyes and king salmon. People come here to catch walleyes and king salmon for one reason and one reason only, to kill them so they can eat them. Okay, and because of that, there are limits for those fish. Right. And, and I get it. Like people aren't coming here to catch walleyes, to hold them and take pictures with them. They're, they're people catch walleyes to kill and eat because they're fantastic. And they and that's what they do. Now, most people that catch kings, you catch three kings. I'm willing to bet, man, that if you go out with a group of three guys and you box out uh, nine kings, a huge percentage of that, probably 60 to 70 percent of that meat's going to go to waste. Yeah. It's going to go into the freezer and it'll never get eaten. Um, most people. Yeah, because a lot, most people aren't on a heavy, like, diet of, of Right, you and know, you can't even eat that many kings, man. Yeah, yeah, the, yeah. the DEC recommends you eat one per month at the most. Yeah. So what are you going to, like, there's a, there's, a, there's a ton of meat on a king. Walleyes, you, go ahead, eat, eat as many as you want. But my point there is that you can't, like, people come to kill, right? And I got... I, Thumbs up, man. It's just like hunting. Got it. Yeah. There's a regulation. There's a limit for a reason. There's supposedly some science behind that, that if, if everybody takes, if, as long as you stay within your limit, it's not going to crush the population. Okay. If we kept smallmouth at that level, we would just, we would yeah. devast, we would ravage the population to get smoked. They just, they can't reproduce at that level. Mm -hmm. So here's my the main point about smallmouth, or if you are a catch and release angler, the spirit of being catch and release, in my mind, is tracking the cycle of life for that organism, right? You're going out to try to figure out where they are and how they're behaving and why they're behaving a certain way. And once you've figured that out, to continue to pound them makes no sense. Like, to me, that's the journey. The journey of catch and release is trying to figure something out. Why are they in a certain place? What are they eating? And once you've figured that out, why would you sit there and greedily pound? But the thing is, is that people are, are freaking greedy, and that's what they're going to do. No matter what, like, no matter how much we preach about it, that's going to be the behavior. And it's unfortunate, but there's you can't regulate yourself out of that. You know, I'm not going to stop talking about this, though. I'm, I'm going to always educate my clients about it constantly. Um, and I'm going to practice what I preach on a daily. 
and you know maybe over time uh, that'll have a positive impact. But you know we'll see what happens. So yeah, all right, sweet. Well, we'll catch you guys next week. Tight lines, and thanks for tuning in. See you guys.